Hey there, welcome to episode 67 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and this week we bring to you Pete Caputa from HubSpot. Pete is the founder of the HubSpot Partner Program, and in this episode, he shares a little bit of the background on how he got to HubSpot, some of the the ideas and the challenges he faced as he was selling HubSpot, uh, and then how he kind of birthed this idea of the HubSpot Channel Program, and now just massive numbers of agencies spanning the globe, uh, selling HubSpot and servicing those accounts. Some awesome, awesome success stories that come out of it. In this episode, you're going to learn all that backstory. You're also going to learn what Pete's up to right now and where he kind of sees things going these days um, with inbound sales. Some cool insights there. And without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Hey, Pete. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey, man. Excited to have you here. Thank you, Andrew. Excited to be here. Cool. Do you want to just kick us off by giving folks a background on um, who you are, where you're from, if anyone's never heard of you before? Sure. I'm sure plenty of people have never heard of me before. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not in your world or in our world. But um, my name is Pete Caputa. Uh, grew up in Pennsylvania originally. Uh, went to school for engineering, chemical engineering. Uh, did that for a little while until I realized the internet was going to be a pretty big deal. So I went back to school, learned how to code. Started a startup. Did that for about four years until I realized I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and uh, my um, my uh, Common sense uh, overruled my perf- perseverance at that point <laughs> and ended up meeting uh, Mark Roberge in 2006 because uh, I had originally hired his uh, dad as my sales coach. Okay. Uh, so I met Mark, uh, started talking to them about HubSpot, um, really when it was just an idea, kept in touch with Mark, gave them some feedback that they actually acted on. Um, and uh, when they raised their Series A, I joined HubSpot as the uh, 15th employee. Nice. Um, so... That's my uh, my career story. Uh, for fun, I like to uh, I love playing soccer. Played soccer all my life. Just started up actually on a on a competitive team. Oh, nice! Not too competitive. It's an over forty. The, the league is literally called Over the Hill, <laughs> um, but it's actually really competitive. The guys take it seriously. It's fun. Uh, I have a son, eight year old, who's named Peter the Fifth, nice. um, and uh, my lovely wife uh, and uh, true soulmate Amy, um, oh. married for twelve years. That's great, man. I didn't realize you were originally from Pennsylvania. What part? Yeah, yes, that's right. I saw that you were uh, the other day. Where are you in Her- Hermitage? Hermitage? Uh, yeah, we've got – well, our companies are spread out all over PA. We've got okay. like, Pittsburgh area. Hermitage is where the office is. I'm in uh, Harrisburg, like right in the center of the state. So Okay. My sister lives in Hershey. Oh, nice. Um, yep. She just moved there a few two years, maybe two years ago took, take a, took, to take a job at Hershey. Okay. Um, and then, uh, another one, I always forget the town, but near Valley Forge, uh, my other little sister. Okay. And then my parents just moved up to Hazleton. They retired up there into like, a this, uh, place called Eagle Rock. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but no, it's never heard of that. pretty awesome. They have a golf course, a man-made lake, uh, ski mountain. So it's fun to visit. Dang. That's cool. Nice. Well, it's good to talk to a fellow, uh, Keystone State. Person. I have like 30 cousins, most of which are in Pennsylvania or Jersey. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, well, there's, just based on your intro, there's so much I want to dive into. Um, for, well, just quickly, what was your startup? Uh, what, what kind of an industry was your startup in? That uh, It was marketing stuff. So okay. um, I had uh, mostly uh, – it was in my early 20s, and uh, I didn't really – wasn't passionate about my job, but it did give me the opportunity to go and learn how to code. They paid for that, and then I worked internally on our websites, and we spent a quarter million dollars, believe it or not, to launch an e-commerce <laughs> site, only to shut it down four years later after getting $16,000 worth of sales. Oh, so I, I shouldn't really share that on a, in a, uh, a podcast about internet marketing, but uh, that was uh, 99, 2000 uh, time frame. Okay. Um, now you can obviously literally have a shopping cart live for like eight bucks a month or <laughs> Shopify. Um, so anyways, uh, and I learned how to code there. Um, and then nights and weekends was mostly just hanging out with buddies and trying to meet ladies and having fun, going snowboarding and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I planned a ski trip one year um, with a bunch of buddies. I used Yahoo invites. Uh, this was before Evite was really big or even might not even been around. And um, – and uh, ended up having 86 people go on this weekend ski trip. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I, so I observed that. And I'm like, how did that happen? Because I don't have 86 intimate friends or didn't. Um, so uh, – and I realized there was like uh, key people that invited all those other people. Okay. Uh, affiliates, if you will. Yeah. Um, and ended up building software that enabled affiliates to promote events. So we'd go to event okay. planners and say, hey, we can get your word out about your event. Um, through our affiliates, and we can also help you build your own affiliate network for your events, etc. Um, so it's kind of a social network meets cool. event, Eventbrite um, at this point. Uh, it uh, we ended up doing uh, a few hundred events, I think collectively reaching a uh, few around a hundred thousand people. Um, not all our events, right? There were other people's events, um, but. Uh, didn't and I learned. I went and hired a sales coach. Learned how to sell. Sold a lot. Then um, I, at the, that point, I was really only the person, the only person working in the business. I had some partners that were developers, but mostly had jobs at that point. Uh, and realized that like, wow, it's really hard to balance sales and service. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of my first uh, realization there uh, with that. So that's when I we ended up shutting the business down. I joined HubSpot. Okay. And then, uh, so, anyways, I'll, the sales and service thing, I think was a big lesson for me and also I think is an important thing for agencies to yeah uh, to really figure out. Yeah, so like you're you're known in the HubSpot world as the grandfather of the HubSpot partner program. <laughs> um just want to share like what's the background I think story the on father that? but not the grandfather well, but I guess. <laughs> we might be many generations down by now, Pete. This is uh I mean it's it's taken off and like you guys are just that program has really changed the face of marketing agencies um yeah. right now and like we're a part of that ecosystem so yeah. um what's the background story how did it get started and what kind of yeah. uh, journey did you take so with our startup um we did the event stuff but i also ended up because we could build websites and do email marketing for small businesses so that's where i first kind of um, we did a lot of service work. It was, you know, the software. Even when we used our software, we used it on behalf of our clients. It was very heavy service, um, and so, uh, but you know, it just didn't work out. Like I said before, it was hard yeah. to balance sales and service. Hard to be profitable. We could sell, but didn't always have time to keep selling and also make money on that stuff. So, yeah. uh, so when I joined HubSpot, uh, it was the first time I actually carried a quota, like at a company, right? I had we had goals at our startup, but, but didn't have a sales culture per se uh and 
I don't know, just being an entrepreneur and always thinking, uh, always asking myself, like, how can I build scale in my business? Um, I kind of tried to figure out how to apply that to my role as a sales rep at HubSpot and realize that if I were to work with marketing agencies, I could get them to go out, find leads, sell, sell people on inbound and HubSpot and all that. And so that was kind of my drive. It was like, uh, all right, I figured out how to do this direct selling thing. I did it for a year. I exceeded quota most months. Uh, but like, all right, I have to work twice as hard to do twice as much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And so I thought, all right, well, how can I make this uh, scale? And actually, in the beginning, they called it Pete's Pyramid Scheme. Uh, <laughs> lovingly, not really. Uh, some of them weren't very affectionate uh, about it. Uh, so I started working with marketing agencies, and then I quickly realized that they had the same problems and challenges that I did in my business. Um, and I obviously didn't have experience overcoming those challenges, but knew what needed to be done, right? Yeah. Knew that, um, you know, from learning from just how HubSpot worked even, that the key to it was recurring revenue relationships, having, uh, being able to sign up clients uh, on a, re- uh, a recurring a retainer agreement uh, where they're saying, I will pay you X amount of dollars per month for delivering X or Y services uh, and achieving Z goal. Uh, and so, uh, that's the way we, that's the way I had sold at mm-hmm. my business. That's the way we sold or way I sold at least at HubSpot. Uh, and so I thought, all right, well, what if I can help agencies bundle up some services into a retainer package and then help them sell that, uh, that'd be pretty game changing for them as yeah. an agency They go from doing lots of web design work, which is very project based at least back then way before growth driven design. Um, and they'd end up doing SEO jobs. It would last like six months and kind of fizzle out. Um, and so I started, uh, working with agencies, you know, Paul is, you, you probably know, Paul Reitzer was, the uh, the first partner, Bernie Borges, or I was looking at a list the other day. Um, they're the two, I think that are still, um, lo- uh, you know, in the network. There's nice. a few that are much smaller that, um, uh, that weren't involved. Uh, you know, one actually has passed away, Linda Severe, um, uh, God bless her. She was awesome to work with. Um, so two surviving early partners on a list of six that I had on an old deck <laughs> the other day. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So, so that started working out. Um, I petitioned to start the program internally. I got a lot of pushback. Um, I pitched actually twice and got completely rejected and they basically said, keep doing your job. Um, it, the time I was, I was pretty early. We had, I think just raised our series B and, you know, the way Brian had envisioned it is that he would keep raising seri- you know, rounds of funding because there's this huge growth opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and so to do that, you need to hit goals very consistently and you need to add reps very consistently. And so he and the board and Mark just thought the the normal way of doing that is to add direct sales team, build the direct sales team. Okay. Uh, so I was seen as a distraction largely in the beginning yeah. until I started crushing my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> And so I literally was doing two and a half acts of the of the average direct reps, um, like about nine months into it. Okay. Uh, so like, all right, what the hell is Pete doing over there? How do I get a piece of that? So that's <laughs> when I was, all right, why do you come back in? And it was still very controversial. I remember the meeting I actually wrote up a story the other day of the meeting, but um, it's, it's probably a little too revealing to share completely, but I'll share some of it. Um, it was largely uh, rejected for a bunch of reasons. One um, – it was seen as a distraction for sales. Mm-hmm. They didn't know if we could really scale it, meaning okay. like, yeah, Pete could do it, but can Pete 
teach six other people to do it? Can you teach 20 other people to do it? Right. Yeah. So that was a question. Uh, the other question, Mike Volpe at the time was our CMO. Uh, um, and he, uh, he questioned whether it was just really worth it because he had worked at SolidWorks, which was 100% channel business. And it was it's a lot of effort to, to like sign on partners, keep them happy, keep them motivated, and have them not all revolt on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was his concerns. They were all valid. Um, and then our services guy just didn't trust that um, – that the work would be done well by agencies, okay. right? So he was on the hook for retaining those accounts. And with an agency involved, it's a whole lot more complicated. Our cost model back then, you know, if it got complicated, we wouldn't have been able to do it profitably and all that, and it could cause a lot of churn. So those are all the concerns. Um, and at the end of the meeting, I thought we were going to walk out for the third time being rejected. And then Brian, like, as I'm walking out the door, literally Brian's like, okay. You can do it. Just don't <laughs> anyone and hit your number. <laughs> uh, and, and as like let him literally walk in the room, he's like, "And you're gonna report to Mike Volpe." And that changed my role from working for Dan Tire, who reported right to Mark. Uh, Dan had actually built out uh, uh, Lotus Notes at the time, largest okay. reseller, and he sold it to Microsoft for lots of millions of dollars. Uh, <laughs> so like he had a lot of experience, like on the channel side, and. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, the one objection that Mike raised is like, if we're going to do it, it's not worth it. If we only match the productivity of a direct team, hmm. it has to be a higher productivity. It has to be better profitability in an economics. Yeah. And so Brian knew that Mike would drive me in that direction. Okay. And I think marketing, you know, by leading with, by marketing the heck out of the program and providing a lot of educational content to agencies that really did enable us to have higher scale, That's cool. uh, profitability direct model. That's a great background. So that's the story. Sorry, I didn't realize it was going to go on that long with it, but <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> like now looking at it, kind of in hindsight, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned, kind of walking through that process and getting it started from nothing? Right. So, like it was the first time for me to um, to uh, have a quote on a sales team. It was also the first time I ever really built a team of my own. Okay. Uh, and I think there's there's a relevant lesson in here for agencies too, but. Uh, it's just it's hard to build teams. You probably know, right? It's Amen. like uh, hard to scale that team. Um, for HubSpot, we were taking all this venture capital. Uh, expectations were really high that we would grow fast, and the very predictable way of doing that, if you've ever read Mark Roberge's book, Sales Acceleration Formula, um, you'd see it in there. The very predictable way to doing that is hiring people that are going to be successful. They have a quota attached to them, and then it's their responsibility to get to their goal. That's pretty much the way. Software companies, most companies have been scaled, right, historically. Yeah. Um, and so it is to add reps. So at the beginning of the year, we'd sit down and say, all right, how much do we need to grow this year? How much do we want to grow this year? How much can we grow this year? Uh, and, and then we'd calculate, all right, how many reps do we need to support that? And then we'd sit around the table and, and like, kind of, you can't see, see me because I'm not on video here, but, like, kind of, uh, when those got assigned out, we'd all like kind of look the other way. It's like when the <laughs> teacher asks you to raise, a, you know, answer a question, and, and you don't want to be called upon. It's like yep. I don't want that. Like that's a lot of responsibility. So, anyways, I took a lot of that on. Okay. Um, I'd say in like the middle years of HubSpot, like in maybe uh, 2011 through 13, um, and grew the team really fast. Okay. Uh, and so that, and it actually worked out quite well. Um, you know, we we hired and fired and or should say let go a lot of people people left like mm-hmm. we went through a lot of people at HubSpot we had the luxury of doing that we had cash in the bank right it didn't yeah. have to be perfect but but even every every person that was a bad hire was costly mm-hmm. 
and it was just a big setback, right? For yeah. sometimes for managers' careers, uh, and when a manager doesn't work out, like that's a really big deal. So, um, I think I just underestimated the amount of effort that goes into like uh, recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, training, um, retaining, uh, motivating leading a team there's yeah. a lot to do when you go from like yourself to hundreds of people yeah and so i actually think we did pretty well at it like i said we had a luxury of cash in the bank which gives us some buffer um but that same lesson i think applies to agencies a lot um i think it's actually really hard or even harder at agencies first of all you don't have you have either little or no cash in the bank yeah um so you can't hire two people in case one doesn't work out you have to make that right hire yeah Mistakes are really expensive. I've seen a lot of agencies hire business development or salespeople, and it totally just doesn't work out. And it's like it's a year, a year and a half setback for an agency because they spend all that money and time, yeah. Um, and then it just doesn't materialize in anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen some agencies that have like the founder is a really good salesperson, and they therefore need account managers, yeah. and they just kind of rush through that and hire account managers and don't think about how they're going to build that account management team and how they're going to train those people and how those how those people are going to continuously learn and how they're going to manage accounts and all of that stuff and that backfires and that's yeah. that's costly too because then you lose customers you lose reputation and um, the clients are saying lose reputation and and not to mention the cost of the bad hire so yeah. I think that's my like biggest biggest takeaway is just scaling a team is really hard yeah so what is how did um how how do you take the lessons you learn from those mistakes and then learn from them and continue to build the team from there because yeah. there is a huge team there now so how did that what that process look like for you um it's it's uh i don't know that we ever really nailed it i think we do pretty well um you know we we publish we've published a lot. Mark's published some in his book. I've punched, published a bunch of what, the way I like to hire, which is very similar in method to Mark, a, a little different in terms of how we evaluate individual candidates. But uh, it's really about defining a set of criteria, uh, assessing that criteria uh, as objectively as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I like to use uh, objective management groups candidate assessments. And I highly recommend them to anyone that's hiring a salesperson. It takes a lot of the subjectivity out of it, and also just leverages lots of data that Curlin's, uh, Dave Curlin at Objective Management has uh, uh, um, accrued over the decades. Um, but having having an interview process that's standardized, um, put, putting the candidate to a test um, by having role plays, um, whether that, if it's a salesperson, it's a role play of a qualification call, or if it's an account manager, it's a role play of a uh, onboarding call or a project, you know, an account update call or something like that. Yeah. Um, writing, I think writing is way more important than most people mm -hmm. think it is. Um, I think people that are decent writers or good writers take that for granted, but there's a ridiculous amount of people that can't put, um, put 500 words together. Yeah. Um, so that's an important thing to test. So I think it's just a matter of being methodical in the hiring process. Okay. Awesome. So now like, as you've been, you've seen agencies come and go, what are some of the, the traits that you see separating the successful ones from, say, the average ones who do stick around? But what's that yeah. kind of that trigger? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, well, so agencies struggle in a lot of areas. We talked a little bit about the team. I think there's a lot of stuff related to clients that they, they royally screw up as well, sales and, and service. Um, the, the, the first thing I think they struggle with is just – kind of defining who they are as an agency and what I mean by that is like who they want to help and how they want to help them. Mm -hmm. Most agencies 
try to be all things to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> the the normal phrase is all things to all people, but what what happens is the agency person is in front of a prospect and the prospect says, I'd like this. And like, oh, we can do that, right? It's pretty much, so it's that person, whoever you're in front of at that point, you can do anything that they need. Um, And that's like the curse. That's how agencies stay small. That's how they stay unprofitable if they do that shit. So um, the best agencies uh, do pick a niche uh, and go after it. Um, I seen uh, like true marketing down in Texas. Every time I meet her, she tells me what her margins are. Um, so like most, most agencies, they won't tell you that if you like hold them down and waterboard them. Right. Yeah. Um, cause they're embarrassed that it's, you know, below 5% or something or they're not, the owner's not making money and I'm not making fun. It's just, that's the way a lot of it is. Yeah. Um, but they're in the high, you know, they're in the, uh, low double digits, um, and so, and that's agency that I see and they're focused on the scientific, specific scientific areas. Mm-hmm. Every agency that I talk to that focuses on an edge is more profitable than the average uh, yeah. experience. Um, the, uh, and then I've seen some agencies that go, um, so what I see is a lot of agencies push back on that cause they're afraid of walking away from somebody yeah. or walking away from a market. Right. Um, and so the, what the agency that I've seen that's done this most cleverly is uh, Kuno creative. I'm sure, you know, yeah. uh, Kuno has decided that they're going to focus in on, uh, they're not going to make their homepage different. The, their blog posts aren't going to be all about a specific industry. Um, but they run campaigns, both sale, marketing and sales campaigns around a few different niches. One is, and the, some of these are broad, but one is SaaS software. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is manufacturing, and the other one is, um, I believe, medical stuff or healthcare stuff. Yeah. They might have changed those over time, um, but they run these campaigns where they create an ebook or they do webinars or they uh, do something, uh, some kind of premium content, and then they, um, you know, drive leads in a variety of ways to that. Uh, and they follow up with prospecting campaigns around it and nurturing campaigns around it. So I think there's ways to be niche without going all in. And it, but I think that is a step to being more all in. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the first mistake agencies make. The next one is they don't market themselves. Um, hmm. The agencies that I see that do market themselves well are are never have a problem with client acquisition. Yeah. Uh, two extremes. One is impact branding, which you probably know uh, in Connecticut there. Um, Bob started as soon as he became a partner in 11 2011 um he just took it seriously and he just blogged like crazy they built offers they followed the methodology to a t uh the email methodology and they started generating leads like and clients in six months mm-hmm. that's pretty rare most of our agency partners it takes them a while before that happens um, yeah. in any volume um and so he's never let off and that he shared some of his mistakes in scaling his agencies over the years um and Yet I would say – I'd argue that the marketing that he did and does enabled him to survive and thrive through those challenges Yeah, because it just create it has created a steady flow of new clients for him. Mm. And he, he can screw up on hiring a little bit. He could screw up on client success a little bit, but um, as long as he doesn't screw up completely in those areas, <laughs> like he has a funnel that he yeah. can fall back on and it works for him. The other one that I like to use is Paul. I think Paul rates are at PR 2020. Um, he does not do volumes of marketing. Um, he doesn't, his team doesn't pump out like, you know, 20 blog posts a month and follow that formula. But the stuff that they produce is, is un- very unique and very thorough is very thoughtful. Obviously mm-hmm. two books at this point, you can't be, can't do that, you know, um, 300 words at a time. That takes a lot of thought and planning. Yeah. Um, but that has, has, 
given him a caliber of client mm-hmm. that most agencies, especially small agencies, uh, are unable to get. Yeah. I think marketing yourself is important. The next thing I see agencies screw up is not prospecting consistently. Um, a lot of agencies, believe it or not, you probably you might have learned this one too in, in Guava Box, but is they they expect inbound marketing to produce clients for them yeah. without sales prospecting effort. That's mm-hmm. just I don't know where people got that idea. I don't know if we created that somehow. Or maybe agency owners just hoped it would happen and convinced themselves it would. Mm -hmm. Um, But marketing by itself does not produce clients. It produces leads. And there's a small fraction of those leads that will become clients. But to figure out which ones those are, you need to reach out and connect with them in a meaningful way. Um, So I think that's one. The next big – and you can tell me to stop at any point. I got lots of problems. (laughs) You can do it good, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep rolling. (laughs) The next one I see a lot is that agencies fail to get buy-in. Uh, from their prospects yeah. uh, in the beginning of engagements, and that's where it's make made or make you know make they make or break the engagement is in that beginning when they're kind of setting expectations and and getting to know each other and get it, hopefully getting a fast start and producing some kind of wins or results quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen a few agencies do this right. Um, a bunch of agencies always put strategy first. I think that's the right approach, and, and before they start writing blog posts and building. Uh, landing pages and all that stuff. They think about who the buyer persona is. They define where those, you know, what content that that will differentiate the uh, their client's business as well as attract the, that persona. Yeah. Work through that whole strategic process before they start doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way, and I've seen that work really well with a lot of agencies. I think Square Two is probably the first one that did that. Paul, uh, PR twenty twenty, as well, um, and then. Uh, the other one that I've seen a lot, and this one's been led by Marcus Sheridan, is is just doing workshops right at the beginning of that engagement. Yeah. Uh, two agencies I know pretty well, Wider Group in uh, Wisconsin and uh, Handy Marketing, uh, Chris Handy. Um, I think they're in down south somewhere. Uh, I should probably know. Um, they they don't do they don't start an engagement anymore uh, without doing a workshop where they get all of the stakeholders in the room uh, uh, from the client with the sales side the marketing side the C level suite if there's a you know if it's a big enough company mm-hmm. um, you know some of the salespeople a bunch of the marketers and they basically walk them through this process where they plan the the inbound attack right they, yeah. they think about and they get everybody excited about it and bought in because it's a workshop where they're the the, the participants are challenged to think about how they're going to contribute the yeah. content they're going to create how they're going to create it uh, and also taught some things of like this is, if you do this so you'll get this kind of results so everybody realizes like if we do this we'll get more leads we'll get better clients and yeah. you know everybody gets excited about that and mm-hmm. so that that helps the other one the third one i see is um using hubspot's free tools and i think this is uh more, especially the small agencies should do this. Uh, Remington Beg uh, at uh, the Impulse, Impulse Creative, right? Yeah. Um, they they are using the free tools during their sales process or as the, as their initial engagement, where they go and they set up lead in the the CRM uh, and uh, some of HubSpot sales uh, products as well. Because if you look at that, like CRM's free, lead in's free, and the sales products for a small business of say two salespeople is a hundred dollars a month. So very low software cost, but if you look at that, um, I did a blog post the other day. There's literally 18 ways like you can deliver services, or at least deliver some level of training to your client yeah. using those cheap products. Uh, maybe throw in there's another few cheap products in my list of 18. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot of ways now to use cheap products to deliver a lot of value quickly. Awesome. And quickly is the key. Yeah. Um, and that that I think gets gets uh, makes it possible to upsell. So. Yeah. Um, 
That was a lot. I have one one more in my typical rant is that I think agencies need to be more creative. Uh, and I'm probably to blame for this is back in the day when trying to figure out how to teach agencies to sell these retainers, mm-hmm. I came up with this idea of saying you need to do X blog posts, a, a landing page with an offer, an email, and then sit down with them once a month and analyze it and figure out what to do next. Yeah. Uh, and we made it so cookie cutter that too many agencies took that very literally. Mm-hmm. Never really expected them all to take it as literally. It's <laughs> uh, more of just like, let me show you, give you the idea. Yeah. Uh, and so literally to the point where some of them took our training and pasted it on their web, website pricing page where it says fast, faster, fastest. So um, hmm. as there are three packages with yeah. different blog posts, volumes and all that. Um, I assume I'm mostly talking to like a HubSpot partner audience here, right? Yeah, mostly. Shorthand. Yeah. Uh, all right. Just making sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think agencies need to be more creative. Hmm. Uh, stream creative. I saw a presentation the other day that they did uh, that uh, talked about a campaign they ran for a paving client. Now, I don't know how you'd make paving sexy like but i could not get excited about writing like how to ensure your paving company doesn't screw up or something like yeah most of most of our a lot of our agency partners would sit down and say what how-to articles can i write that people are interested in paving their driveway would want to read right yeah. that's what they would do and what ebook can i give there like like, like that's the way they think um, stream took a different tack with it they sat down with the the company they kind of understood the employees and their and like what they got passionate about mm-hmm. and and they realized that a lot of the employees almost all of them had dogs and they're like oh, that wow. was the thing at that company it wasn't like just a coincidence like they all just they were dog people and so they decided i think to partner with um i don't know if it was a humane society or somebody that helps like dogs that need help um <laughs> that don't That's have cool. a home family or whatever yeah uh, and they ran a campaign where they like everybody that did something uh, might even just been like liking their Facebook page or filling a form of some sort or signing a petition. They they donated like a dollar or something like to that. And they raised like a decent amount of money um, or they're donating a decent amount of money as a result of this. That's and cool. at first you don't see any connection to like paving. Mm-hmm. Um, but like dog people, I don't know if you have a dog. I have a dog. Um like we're like dog people are pretty serious about dogs and yeah. there are dogs. And so it attracted a home, like a good group of homeowners. Mm-hmm. Now they like can do things with, and it's not just about paving. It's about kind of thinking creatively. So that's yeah. just one example. I probably didn't, I certainly didn't explain it as well as <laughs> I have to ask them to something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think we, the agencies need to be more creative about how they go about doing the marketing. Yeah. And I think like going back to the beginning of your rant, <laughs> finding a uh, finding the focus there, like if yeah. you can do that as an agency, that makes your prospecting that much easier. Totally, everything becomes easier if you do it, it like in that order. Yeah, pretty much that. Like if you do everything in that order, right, everything becomes easier, right? If yeah. you if you pick your niche and you prospect consistently, you don't take on clients that won't won't gel well with that, right? And yeah. so when you get to the point where you're onboarding them, they're going to be bought in. And when you get to the point where you're going to bring some creative ideas, they'll be interested in participating, right? Yeah. As most agencies, it's like, I'm going to I'm gonna generate leads for you. We're going to help you hit this revenue goal. Don't worry about it. We'll yeah. take care for you. Um, and they go off and they write their blog post and ebook. And like six months later, the client's like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Oh, those leads? We we're supposed to call those? We didn't, right? So it's like, <laughs> All these stupid things that don't happen when that client's not engaged. And yeah, if you amen. build your agency plan right, um, you'll sign on the best clients and like everything. Just, and once you have best clients, they're more likely to stay with you. If you spread out that 
like hidden sales and marketing costs over a longer period of time for a client. Like they become much more profitable, you know, if they stick with you for years. So like all all these good things just kind of happen. If you screw up one of them, it just doesn't work as well. Yeah, no, it's a good sequence. And I think it's funny that it's it's starting at the point where you say no, that you really open doors. Like if I say no to, you know, all of these industries except these two or three, yeah, like I'm really saying yes to my business. Um, and yep. that laser yeah. focus is really helpful. That's hard for agencies. That's why I tell them to start saying yes to one type of business more often and just try to go after that Yeah, a little proactively instead of being reactive. Yeah. Uh, and then over time, you get more confidence in saying, all right, no, we're not going to take on that convenience store. Or no, I'm not going to take on that solopreneur just because they have 20 grand or 10 grand to yep. you know do their marketing this year. Uh-huh. It's like it's just work, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's one thing that when we had uh, John McTagg on from Kuno, he, um, that was oh an awesome, awesome episode. Okay. Um, but he he poured out how not only do they target those industries, but they oh, they they kind of go one step further and they say like, if you're not going to open up your customers to us, you know, we're not even going to move the sales process forward. Um, Got it. So kind of That's, tapping in that creative side of things as well. Yeah. So they're so what you're saying is they're um they're doing persona research, they're interviewing customers, they're trying to figure out like what makes this this company different and yeah. how do they help people and getting testimonials and case studies written and all that stuff. And yeah. They got, yep. Bigger companies I think tend to be very cautious about doing that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of good insight there. So thanks for rolling yeah. that out the way yeah. you did. That's awesome. Um so now, kind of going back to HubSpot, you've sure. this this program has grown and blossomed. How does it from going to two rejections and then one yes, but make sure you hit your number? <laughs> how does now this partner program impact HubSpot as it just continues to grow as a publicly traded company? Yeah, uh, well, the impact on HubSpot of our partners collectively is massive. Right, uh, we've shared the data publicly now, so it's not a secret. Um, uh, I think uh, I, don't quote me on this. If somebody wants to uh, um, quote something, they need to look up the public statements. But my my I believe it's forty percent of our revenue uh, as of Q two, which is our last earnings released, um, still comes from partners uh, from the partner program. So awesome. you know, without our partners, uh, I guess we we might be sixty percent of the size that we are. <laughs> we might never have gone public. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Uh, we might have figured out growth another way, but who knows. Um, so it's a, it's a really big deal. I think, um, to answer your question a little differently, like back in the day, it was just me, right? Not distracting anyone, mm-hmm. uh, literally, <laughs> air quotes, right? From Halligan, don't distract anyone. Um, and then, um, you know, there were a few early people that got involved. Julie Devaney was key. Uh, she's not involved anymore. Hasn't been for a little while. Uh, but she was really key in the beginning. Some of our early partners would remember her. She was the account manager for like 200 partners. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kate uh, Walsh took over running services. Uh, Patrick Shea has been key from really early on. His first day of work, I recruited him to come be the uh, to be uh, uh, Julie's not Julie's replacement, but the person in between Patrick and Julie. So he he was he onboarded like the next few hundred partners okay. as a service guy, and then he took on marketing. So you know, Kate Walsh, myself, Patrick Shea. For years, it was basically the three of us, like trying to do what we could do with the resources we were given. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of the organization was either focused on their own issues, right? Product teams went through changes and all that. Um, or they were focused on how do we build out our direct sales business, direct yeah. business. Uh, and I could say that most of the organization was focused on that. Um, 
now it's much different. Um, I'd say that I wouldn't say that the pendulum swung completely, but I'd say that it's pretty much down the line at this point where um, there's very few strategic decisions that don't get made that get made without consulting at least a few of our partners. Um, And there's no strategic decision that gets made without saying, well, how how will this impact our partners? Uh, And I'd say that's like the defensive way of looking at it, right? The offensive way of looking at it, like how do we, is asking ourselves the question of like, how can we help our partners grow? And Mm -hmm. and grow is like the word that's used ad nauseum at HubSpot, like how does HubSpot grow? How do we help our partners grow? And those two things are like, absolutely linked if we don't help our partners grow we know that our business will struggle to grow yeah. and so every team in the company i'd say at this point ask that question okay um, how to help our partners grow um and like for example the dev team uh like didn't do anything for us for the first few years right i literally my our lead <laughs> registration system was first the google doc uh-huh. Uh, and then um, somebody did a nights and weekends coding project for us and that lasted us for like two years uh, <laughs> And it sucked, right? It caused all kinds of issues. Um, but over the last two years, we built out a really robust lead registration system, um, and it's you know constant with constant improvement to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably seen the new partner tiers dashboard that yes. allows partners to see how you know where they stand in terms of gold, silver, uh, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, uh, as well as what to do next to get better. Um, so th- there's now a product team focused on that full time awesome. um, in product, not not in like some hidden room uh, nights and weekends project. Yeah. Um, and so and they're working on more stuff. The question is, like, how can we build things directly into the software that helps our partners be more efficient? Yeah. Uh, efficiency is, I think, just a key to helping partners grow. Um, one that we haven't talked about much. But when it comes to delivering services, as you know, with your uh, with do inbound and Guava box that. You know, if you're not efficient, if you're not, if you don't have processes in place, it's just not going to work. Amen. Uh, so, so they're asking that question now, and um, uh, you know, I think with, for example, we have the sandbox now for the content management system, so you can now mm-hmm. actually stage a website, something that only an agency would actually really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, but so we've built things now, and we'll continue to build things for our partners to help them be more, more effective, more efficient. Awesome. That's great. So, kind of wrapping up on a personal note. What is um what is your role at HubSpot look like today, um, and how have you seen that change and evolve as this thing's taken off? I mostly am just available for podcasts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so th- uh, thanks for asking. The uh, so I, as I think I shared before, I joined in November two thousand seven, which is like coming up on a decade, just short of nine years. So it's like, it's the most longest I've ever done anything except for grade school. Um, so, right? Or no, grade school is only eight years. It's the longest I've ever done anything um, consist- or, uh, consistently. Um, and over those years, like it went from me to a big team and I learned a lot. I learned what it meant to be an individual contributor, obviously. I learned what it would be a frontline manager. Uh, I learned what it'd be to be a director, where I had to consider impacts on other teams. Yeah. Uh, learned what it'd be a VP, where I had to really learn how to lead, uh, not just manage. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was huge, and I, like I don't regret any of it. Um, but after nine years, I got really tired and really, to a certain degree, frustrated. Not with anyone in particular, just like there's a repetitiveness of that. Yeah, um, sure that um, does, didn't suit me as much. And after nine years of just doing it straight and always having bigger numbers to hit every month, it's just I realized that I wasn't living my life the way I wanted to. Yeah. I'm sure that many agency owners can relate. Uh, and uh, went to Halligan and said, 
hey, I think I need a new thing. This was actually after we have a sabbatical at HubSpot after five years of service. We just implemented this a few years ago. Uh, after five years of service, uh, you get a month off. So I took my month off and I thought about it. And after that sabbatical, I'm like, all right, well, this sabbatical was really nice. <laughs> um, and I said, all right, well, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I need a change. Hmm. And uh, so Brian uh, was really cool about it, much cooler than I thought uh, he'd be. Uh, not because of him. I just didn't expect him to be as nice about it. Hmm. Uh, and we brainstormed ways that I could continue to add value without um, – and getting some balance, better balance in my life. Uh, and so – uh, on the balance side, I've done a lot. I've uh, been playing soccer again, nice. uh, on a, like I said, on the over the 40, over 40 team. Uh, <laughs> but I literally hadn't – I played soccer all my life until pretty much I joined UpSpot. Yeah, Vegas uh, life. For nine years, I didn't play soccer, and I absolutely <laughs> love playing soccer, playing college. It's just like – it's just a, a amazing release. keeps me in shape, like yeah. keeps me focused. Uh, I was spending much more time uh, working from home, so I avoid the commute, get to see my son off to school once in a while, have lunch with my wife once in a while. It's nice. That's awesome. um, so, so, so that's been great, and I, I encourage everybody to try to figure out that balance uh, if you can. I, and I probably could have figured it out in the job, but having the ability to uh, change jobs was nice and made it easier. Nice. Um, and then, so on the work side, I'm not just working like twiddling my thumbs. I have a handful of projects. <laughs> that I'm helping Brian with. Um, the one is just building out the sales software business. So we have this marketing business. We're very public about the revenue. It's lots of millions of dollars, uh, hundreds at this point, right? Um, and we want to. We think that the sales software business can be just as big, probably bigger okay. uh, for us. And, we, and what we realize, though, is like we don't want to just build another CRM. We don't want to just build another set of sales software tools. And we looked around, and we realized that most companies – um, had, were selling sales software that uh, was automating old processes, literally helping salespeople cold call faster, yeah, or literally helping people send email faster, and dare I say, like send spam faster. Mm-hmm. That's literally the, what most of the software out there is doing. Uh, and so we w- looked at it and said, well, we don't know exactly what the answer is, but we know that that's not the answer. And mm-hmm. just like we had this belief that inbound marketing was the future, we believe inbound sales is the future. Okay. Uh, and so... Uh, the buyer has changed drastically. You've heard the spiel. I'm sure many of our partners have. Marketing, we were help, busy helping marketing change for literally mm-hmm. a decade, and nobody was helping sales change. So that's where we've been focused. Um, to do that, it's not just about software. We also need to kind of lead the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that we were pretty good at leading the way in action with yeah. as our sales team and really taking a very helpful approach to selling. Um, we very rarely cold call, although... Um, well, we don't like to admit we have, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's like most of our business comes from our partners or inbound, like the vast, vast majority. Um, so, uh, so we had, we realized we needed to build out like and lead the way in, in terms of training and methodology. So as you know, we, the inbound marketing methodology has been key in helping our customers become successful with inbound marketing mm-hmm. sales from, from their own, uh, marketing efforts. Uh, and so we realized we needed something on the sales side. So Mark Robert, myself, Andrew Quinn, uh, a few other HubSpotters, Jill, Freddie, Annie, Dent, Tyre. Um, I'm probably forgetting some of Mike Peachy. Uh, Mark and I did a lot of writing uh, to put together a course with help from those those people. 
um, that basically is a full selling methodology. Um, I'd be lying if we said we created it. We borrowed a lot of best practices. Sales really hasn't changed a whole lot for the most part. Yeah. What's changed drastically is prospect, the prospecting side of sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is the part I think where it's uh, it's most important and most unique. Okay. Uh, we spent a lot of time. It's a six-hour video course. And instead of just providing it to our customers, we like we do with the marketing methodology, we decided to make it free uh, so that any salesperson, any sales manager, any business owner can basically go and take that. Okay. And so I would argue that you normally have to pay 10 grand or so to get access to this level of training. Yeah. Now we're not providing any one-on-one support for free. Um, and a lot of sales training companies do that really well. Um, but for the course material, there's really nothing out there that's as complete, uh, from like prospecting all the way through to, to closing. Uh, so that was number one. I helped with that. That was an intense effort in the beginning of the year. Um, I've also been, um, blogging on our sales blog. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to share these numbers, but we'll, I'll get in trouble for it. But that's all right. Um, we like eight months ago, we had 200,000 unique views on our sales blog. Mm-hmm. We we just passed 800,000 this nice. past month. So we four uh, exit in less than I think eight or nine months there. Dang. Um, and the the chart looks like this. So I don't expect it to stop. Um, my goal is to get as much traffic as the as the marketing blog. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Brian said, Brian, uh, Brian doesn't think that's possible anytime soon, but I'm, I'm, uh, I give you tricks up my sleeve. Um, and the third thing that I'm working on is, um, is, is a little twofold, but, uh, is I think there's a big opportunity to offer sales services in a way there hasn't been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, most sales training companies, there's, uh, lots of them. There's at least 5,000 in the U S um, help, um, Help on the sales methodology side, but not on the sales technology side. Okay. Uh, and and literally, it wasn't critical a decade ago or even five years ago. Sales technology—it's like sales was face to face. Yeah. Uh, you know, sales was over the phone, and like you didn't need much in the way of technology. There's no social uh, selling before that. Um, so now, social selling, inbound lead generation, inside sales—all this stuff is booming and like if you look at the growth rate of that stuff it's like up into the right and all that stuff changes prospecting at least really mm-hmm. significantly so sales technology is all of a sudden really important and i think it should be important to sales consultants mm-hmm. i also think there's a massive opportunity for our better partners uh to go and sell sales services as well and some are already doing it some of them are helping them set up crm helping their clients set up CRM, you know there's nothing worse than generating leads and having your clients say, I didn't call them, right? Amen. So having a CRM there where you can monitor that is huge and, and also facilitate it, give them templates. Writing templates for clients is a big one, prospecting templates. Uh, building sales material that salespeople send out, that's a big deal. Doing social uh, tra- social media training for salespeople so that they can actually start to build a, a following online so they're not sitting there cold calling all day. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of things that I think inbound marketing agencies are really suited well to do yeah. when it comes to helping their clients sell more effectively. Um, and and I and like I said before, I think those sales consultants need to get a little hipper to sales technology. Yeah. So the final, the third thing I'm working on, I think this is three, is um, – is and to summarize that is just I'm how I'm going to start to build some kind of a partner program around that. Nice. And so the first step is building training uh, around it so that you know instead of just teaching agencies how to blog and build landing pages and send you know set up workflows and marketing automation, it's how to go into a client's uh, sales operation okay. and kind of be their sales enablement team, be their sales operations team, That's maybe awesome. be their sales training team, it's certainly be their sales enablement team. Um, so. 
Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So that's where I'm focused. So it allows me to, um, like I said, work from home, have lunch with my wife once in a while, but um, uh, also just think and be creative and like talk to people, figure out what they're doing yeah. uh, and kind of build that training program out. So that's what I'm working on from here till uh, the end of the year. Hopefully by inbound, that's my plan. Uh, and that's the plan I've committed to <laughs> is to have a training program available for nice. both agencies and these sales consultants so that okay. they can learn how to do this stuff effectively, learn how to package and price the services, how to sell them, how to deliver them, et cetera. That's awesome. That's, that sounds fantastic. And I think that's going to be, I can see cool. it being a huge value for a ton of agencies out there that know inbound, the marketing side of it, yep. but, but then they don't have the expertise. They might've had the marketing technical expertise, but now to transition that whole new skill set. So um, I think like when I look at the, say our top maybe 800 partners, um, they're already figuring this stuff out on their own because mm-hmm. they're good at sales. Uh, yeah. Some of them are really good, but some most of those are you know pretty good. And so I think our more successful agencies got there because partly at least because they were good at selling. Yeah. I think it's a natural for them. Um, and so um, I'm spending a lot of time with you know the ones that are figuring it out there and and helping them figure it out more and uh, um, kind of packaging that up. So if anyone out there that's listening, I should uh, say if you're if you're dabbling with sales services, reach out and let's collaborate on it. Awesome. Well, Pete, thank you for coming on and just sharing so much knowledge, so much experience here. I know there's tons of nuggets in here that agencies can take and apply right away. And um, if people are listening and they want to read up on your blogs or they want to just um, learn more from you, what's the best place for them to go? I'm pretty active on Twitter if you can handle my anti-Trump. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, find, I, find, I find the fact that we would let somebody like that lead even – half of half of one of our parties um horrible so uh hopefully i don't piss off too many of your listeners i'm not allowed to write political stuff on the spot sales (laughs) blog so if you want to just learn because you can't learn much in 140 characters anyways uh so if you want to avoid listening uh to you know avoid hearing my political stuff you can go uh, to the hubspot sales blog that's where most of my stuff gets published i've been telling jamie edding from the agency post that i'd contribute to there too but um unfortunately uh emma the sales blog editor keeps me really busy uh, so uh at some point i'll hopefully contribute more to the agency blog but uh, right now most of my writing has been going over there and i've published a lot um of stuff i'm almost running out of sales advice so it's meaty uh, yes me- meaty stuff on the hostile sales blog that's where i'm putting most of my effort <laughs> Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.